Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, TGIF, we're back, and it's Friday, and thank God it's Friday. We There's only three of us in the studio today, Judge Ra- Richard Weinberg, uh, myself, John Katzmatidis, and Rita Cosby. I guess all the Republicans took off. Yeah, you know, I guess they did, but boy, are they missing the news. Because, uh, John, there's a lot to talk about. First, I just want to, before we start, the fact that the U.N. Secretary General, John, is out there saying there should be a ceasefire, trying to push for a ceasefire. And what did the outrageous. judge say? What, I, what I've said, let the record be clear on this. It was what? him that said it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I, thought, I was trying to figure out if it was right, you or the number judge. Number one, if, okay, how about releasing all the hostages? That's what you should be calling for. And then for. you may have peace. That's right. Release all the hostages and have an unconditional surrender, and then you have your ceasefire. Okay, yeah, where's, that's all. Where's the, uh, as I say, when I lived well, in Spain, let, the let's cojones? Say, <laughs> you know, let, let's say if we have, if we release all the hostages, would Israel make a commitment not to shoot them, all the Hamases? Well, I mean, that's uh, a question. That, that, well, that is a flat no, because, uh, by the way, uh, Netanyahu just came out. Re- why should he release the hostages then? Well, don't right. give them an idea. Not yeah, to. don't give them an idea. Don't give them an idea not to. Yeah. No, the mean, leverage mean. they've had from the very beginning is that they the kidnap these people. Yeah, but where's the moral clarity of the U.N.? That's the issue, guys, because this secretary general has been so wimpy, so lame, and he has been just like, you know, an apologist, is, it seems is, like, for Rita, Hamas. He is a reflection of the United Nations itself. And by the way, uh, we uh, have comments like that on my Sunday show uh, we have uh, Stephen Harper, the former prime minister of, uh, of Canada. That's of Canada, great. And he's one smart guy. That is great. I can't wait to hear that. And also, by the way, later on in the show, we're also going to be playing uh, Joe Lieberman because you have a blockbuster interview and with him about we're Iran. We're going to do a little bit tidbit of two-minute tidbit. And the other big thing that happened today, the Supreme Court voted down some of the restrictions no, no. on United, guns. U.S. Court of Appeals. The U.S. Court of the Appeals. The U.S. Court oh. have a uh, big difference. Let, let, very simple. Let Can the I record say, be clear. Let the record reflect. <laughs> I think there's a and show name I understand that. Uh, later on uh, Captain Mamet uh, we who's trying it. to understand it, and you and you is uh, relying on you to explain God it. God help him. Yeah. <laughs> And by the way, we also have Newt Gingrich coming up in a few minutes. Uh, Also, Larry Kudlow today. John Solomon, who broke the Hunter Biden new charges. And there's controversy about that. that. Yeah. On why, on why he came up with the charges. And one part of the controversy is that the fact is now uh, Hunter Biden doesn't have to go to Congress and, uh, and, testify. and testify. He has to show up, but they don't take the fifth. And they didn't go after him on the most serious charges. That's the foreign exactly right. influence, and, and, the money and does, laundering. And since they didn't go after him on those charges, does that mean the uh, it, it continues to... The, the clock uh, keeps running. The clock keeps running. Well, explain what that means. It means there's a statute of limitations. The statute of limitations. So unless you indict, it stops the clock. I understand Alan Dershowitz is on. Yeah, Perfect. Perfect. We have the professor. Bring him, bring him in. Let's bring him in. We have the former Harvard professor of distinction there and also multi-bestselling author, uh, Alan Dershowitz. Professor Dershowitz. Which case you want to come up first? There's yeah. so many cases. Yeah. 
I, I want to talk about how the president of Harvard should become pretty quickly the former president of Harvard. Amen uh, to that. Bravo, bravo. Just like the University of Pennsylvania. And MIT. Uh, right. Right. <laughs> Let her join me in the status of emeritus. That's where she belongs. And, and there's a very interesting reason for it. Before she became president of Harvard, she was the dean of Harvard College. And as dean of Harvard College, she fired a professor, Ron Sullivan, who had been the dean of Winthrop House, because he represented Harvey Weinstein and because the students said they were afraid. They were afraid. They were in fear. And that was the reason for firing him. Now, don't you think that hundreds and hundreds of Jewish students are now afraid, are now fearful because she's the president and because she couldn't come out unequivocally and state that Harvard's policies condemn and require dismissal of any student who calls for the genocide of any group, Jews, Muslims, or anybody else. So I think she made her own bed by her own firing of somebody because of fear, and now she has to bear the burden of that by her own standard. She shouldn't be the president. You know, um, the comments that uh, that really got her in hot water, I watched that when that happened live. And Elise Stefanik was like a surgeon, like going after. And and here was Claudine Gay, uh, the president there of Harvard. And I couldn't believe it was one of the most stunning moments, I think, that I've seen in a long time, Professor Dershowitz, because she could not answer. She said, well, don't you think genocide is a bad thing? And she said, well, it depends if it's On words, context, if it's context. A, right words or actions. And then Stefanik said, well, well what uh, you need to see an action of genocide. Did you, did you see a dead body or two? Right. Act? I yeah, mean, it well, was stunning. You know, one of the reasons is that she had her whole testimony scripted by lawyers and she wasn't prepared to answer spontaneously because, you know, being the president of Harvard, she doesn't have to answer to anybody. She just issues statements. And now she was treated like an ordinary person uh, by a very, very smart member of Congress who asked her questions. And, you know, they were questions that should have been easy to answer. Um, and and they, they weren't even the hardest questions. The hardest questions would have been about a double standard at Harvard. You know, if any student says anything negative about anybody based on sexual orientation or race or poverty or anything, they immediately get disciplined. But I guess there's a separate rule for Jews. And that's the question that she should have been really pressed on and and, and with history and background. Um, but she failed the test. You know, they say that every Harvard student, every Yale student now gets an A in every course. Did you see that? 97, I think, percent of students get A's. Even by that absurd standard, she got a D minus. Absolutely. And by the way, Alan, I think it's a bigger question than MIT, Penn, and Harvard. Oh, yeah. Oh, without a question. It it's across the country, including, by the way, look what happened up in Yale. Or look what happened at, at Cooper Union, where they, the kids yeah. had were barricaded. Listen, I mean, enough is enough with this, uh, with this stuff, you know? Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. By the way, uh, I also think you guys clearly uh, there's a bit of a reckoning. So I, I would think you're happy to hear some of the new developments that happened. This is a big deal. It was a one hundred million dollar donor at UPenn uh, who pulled out his money and said, "Enough." It sounds like, sadly, uh, but money talks. And, and Vito Fasella was on yesterday, and he represents a lot of. Uh, uh, University, University of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. He, you know, he went to the yeah, University of Pennsylvania right. and uh, Wharton School, 
and uh, and they're calling he's got a today. Large support, and they're calling but, today you know, for had, the dismissal. Had, yeah, yeah, I she think had that, a I, warning about that even before this happened. Ron Louder, who's a great guy, went to see her before this all happened and said, "Do you know that Penn is sponsoring a writers' conference?" of Palestinians at Harvard. Nothing wrong with that, except the speakers are all calling for genocide and mass killings of Jews. And don't you think you ought to do something about it? And she didn't do anything about that. Uh, who is this? Is this Harvard or UPenn? No, this is UPenn. And Ron Louder is one of the biggest contributors to UPenn. And I think he is, like many others, have, have uh, um, uh, withdrawn their contributions. I mean, I don't give a lot of money, but I no longer will give a penny to Harvard or Yale or Brooklyn College, um, where I went. I loved Brooklyn College, but they won't allow me to speak there about Israel. You know, this is not about suppressing other people's speech. This is about a double standard. This is about people who support Israel can't speak on these college campuses. When I was invited by Chabad to speak at Harvard, they were supposed to speak at the law school, and they, they, they made me change it to the Chabad house off campus for fear of my own personal security professor for 50 years there, and I couldn't speak safely at Harvard about a two-state solution for Israel. So it's not about banning other people's speech. It's about the double standard that our speech, any speech that's perceived in any way as pro-Israel, by the way, or pro-American, or pro-Judeo-Christian tradition, you can't speak anything conservative. Look, the National Lawyers Guild stops speakers from speaking all over um, at, at Berkeley, at, at Stanford, at many, many other places. So, you know, they, it's okay when they censor, but if you try to stop people from talking about genocide against the Jews, oh my God, that's censorship. By the way, did you, did you see professor, um, also, uh, this is interesting. I mean, students and donors are fighting back. Uh, there was a Harvard hates Jews, a huge banner being flown above Harvard next to a Palestinian flag. It's by Jewish students are putting it out there. And apparently it's, it's, they are saying, you know, enough. In other words, we're fed up. We're going to stand up and we're going to do that. There's a huge truck banner that's now going around UPenn blasting them. Jewish students with their backing and donors are saying enough. Alan, do you well, think this is a, a turning point in terms of university administrations, or is this just a I one sure shot? Hope so. No, I hope so. It'll never turn until we get rid of the DEI bureaucracy, this diversity, equity, inclusion bureaucracy, which has cost hundreds of millions of dollars. It resulted from the so-called reckoning following the George Floyd case, created this bureaucracy where you have loyalty oath. You have to support diversity, which doesn't mean real diversity of intellectual views. It means only skin color diversity and equity, which is the opposite of equality and inclusion, which explicitly excludes Jews. And so this whole uh, diversity, equity, inclusion to has fraud. been the major to source fraud. of the anti-Semitism. And until that's dismantled, no matter who the president is, there's going to be pervasive anti-Semitism. Yeah, that's for sure. Before we let you go, real quick, your thoughts on the Hunter Biden case. Well, it's a serious, serious case. Uh, I don't like the indictment. I'll tell you why I don't like the indictment. I don't like the fact that they included in the indictment all the money he spent on pornography or on adult entertainment. That seems to be somewhat prejudicial. It doesn't matter what he spent it on. If he had spent it on, you know, uh, buying prayer books to pray to to the Lord, that wouldn't make a difference. 
it just was was is very biased the the indictment itself but it's a strong indictment and uh you know, it's a very serious, it's a very serious charge. Now, how is it biased? Money back. Professor Dershowitz, how is it biased? Why do we need to know that he spent the money on these terrible things? It's not relevant to the indictment. It's just that becomes the lead story in every newspaper. Oh does, my God, does it prevent it him? Does it give him an excuse not to uh, uh, testify before Congress? Of course not. But first of all, he was indicted previously. So if he wanted an excuse, he had it. But no, that's no excuse. All he can do is refuse to answer specific questions. But he could have done that anyway for fear of an indictment, even if before the indictment. So the indictment itself has no impact at all on the Fifth Amendment privilege. None. Well, thank you, Professor Dershowitz, for coming on. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, thank Professor. You. Have thank a great you. weekend. Thank you, everybody. Good yes, happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Thank you, Professor. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll try to get, we're trying to get Newt Gingrich, and we'll see if he, uh, he's on. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority PriorityGoldGuide.com. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Wow, lots of stuff happening on Capitol Hill. Everybody talking about Hunter Biden. And next week, the vote on whether there should be an impeachment inquiry into the president joe biden and joining us on this and so much more is the former speaker of the house newt gingrich um mr speaker great to have you here and and what do you think first off on all the hunter biden stuff with now uh these nine new federal tax charges well i think it's a sign both of how overwhelming the evidence is and also i think it's a sign of the fact that the system um is putting more and more pressure so that the uh, lawyer for the Justice Department who thought that he could get away with not having a serious effort suddenly decided his own reputation and his own career uh, required that uh, they go ahead and uh, begin to really take seriously all the different things. Now, the report they wrote is almost vicious in its description of how bad a person uh, Hunter Biden is uh, in in just very specific ways, and you don't you don't think about you know you could have charged him without some of the language they used, but they basically said this guy's not only a tax cheat, but he cheated on his taxes so he could spend the money uh, hiring prostitutes, engaging in um, <clears throat> apparently uh, trafficking in persons, uh, and uh, generally speaking, leading the kind of life that very few Americans would. Uh, feel very good about. Yeah, you're right. And in fact, uh, by the way, Newt, I'm just reading here um, during this time, they're saying that he spent on mortgage payments one hundred and ninety one thousand 
and on quote adult entertainment, one hundred and eighty-eight thousand. Um, so you're right; they lay it all out. But uh, if if he stole twenty-five million, what does that have to do with it? They're trying to show what they're trying to show is he had the money to pay the taxes, yes. but he was using it for other purposes. Yes, and that's, in other words, that's what the gimmick. Is. Yeah, he can't pl- well, plead. But he's broke. They're, in a way, they're also they're also saying pretty clearly that he's a sleaze. Oh, yeah, for yeah sure. by the way, we knew that before this, yes, we, I, you know, <laughs> based on his own videotapes. Mr. Speaker, it's Judge Richard Warnberg. Good to talk to you again, sir. I'll tell you what okay. troubled me. I agree with you that Weiss is trying to uh, salvage what's left of his reputation because of uh, of his cover-up initially and letting the statute of limitations go. What's missing in, in this indictment is anything to do with Burisma, which could bring in Joe Biden. What's missing is a failure to file as a foreign agent. What's missing from this is money, is money laundering. Okay. Does that mean the statute of limitations runs? No, well, that's exactly right, John. The statute of limitations, unless there's an indictment or a tolling agreement with the defendant, then the statute of limitations will run on those matters. And I, I think that, that screams out the silence on those other matters. What say you, Mr. Speaker? Well, I think, I think that you make a good case. <clears throat> the question is going to be next phase, which is where does the money come from? I mean, how does Hunter Biden, how does he make enough money to have to pay this amount of taxes, given that he is a drug addict, an alcoholic, has limited skills, uh, and is doing things for which the only explanation is that he was living off of his father's reputation? Well, the big question is, uh, access. has this compromised his father or compromised the country in, in, in any way? And that's the big question that uh, always exists. That's a political question, not a legal question. Well, and also, and also to the point about politics, Newt, where I think it hurts the president from a political standpoint is the moral authority because he came in saying he's going to clean up Washington. He's going to be the ethical, uh, president. And he also has said, He's hiring. He wants to have those 87,000 new IRS agents to go after tax cheats. He's cracking down on guns. What moral authority does he have now? His son is charged with both. Well, I think, I think that the, the, ultimately the, one of the key questions is going to be, you know, not does Joe Biden have a son who is sort of a skunk, but the deeper question is, so when money's being paid to Joe Biden from Hunter, why is it being paid? Now, if you'll notice, they keep claiming, for example, that one of the sets of payments was to repay a loan to buy a truck. And uh, Chairman Comer came back, I thought, very intelligently and said, fine, show us the agreement on the loan. Show us that there actually was a loan. Because I think that uh, the odds are going to be pretty high that there wasn't a loan. That this, that this is, in fact, exactly, remember, uh, there's a note in the Hunter Biden uh, uh, laptop where he says to his daughter, you'll never have to give me 50% of your income the way I have to do with Joe. Wow. Now, I always thought, I always thought that right. that was... You know, yeah, I mean, but I mean, don't make an excuse. He was a drug addict. He was a smoke yeah. crack. Exactly right, exactly. right. And, and, and he was just... At the same time, steam. he's being paid tens of millions of dollars when he's totally inept and he doesn't have the mental capacity to do anything. Yeah. Well, Newt Gingrich, thank you very, very much. We always love your perspective, and you got to come back on again soon, Newt. It's always great to talk to you. Thanks. Good talking to you. Thank you. And now we have Larry Kudlow, one of the country's leading economists. Yep, and he's going to be coming up right after the break. Oh, okay. You're commuting home. 
Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, now with us uh, today is uh, Larry Kudlow. And Larry, I mean, uh, I'm going to let you talk today. I know uh, last week you 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 were upset that I jumped in. Not a chance. I'm never upset at you. It's not possible. It's never possible. Tell us what the heck is going on today. What's going on with the economy? Give us your focus on on what's going on. I want to say I know you were you were talking to my pal Newt about um, about the um, Biden hearings and so forth. I just want to make one point. You know, this indictment uh, probably moves Joe Biden further away from prosecution because what's going to happen here is that Hunter, who's now been indicted for all these things, you know, he, he bought hookers instead of paying his taxes. Okay, fine. But he is going to use this as an excuse not to be deposed on Capitol Hill in the Oversight Committee and or the Judiciary Committee. And the indictment by this guy Weiss was completely unreliable, uh, did not mention any of the international problems. So they're not going to get into the failure to register as a foreign agent. They're not going to get into the influence peddling, the allegations of influence peddling. They're not going to get into the allegations of bribery. I mean, be careful on this. This, uh, I think, was very carefully orchestrated. And so Hunter Biden's going to be on ice for the next year until the election. And the statute of limitations runs on the other items. Well, I I don't know that. Um, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm just saying that he will be able to avoid uh, any depositions, which are, of course, under oath. And if they haul him up there... Um, you know, at the threat of contempt of Congress, he'll just take the fifth because of this grand jury indictment. So this is not a great thing if you're looking to get into the truth. I mean, look, everybody knows that Joe Biden was involved in Hunter's businesses. Everybody knows that. That's really no longer the issue. The issue is how, why, when, and where. And that is all going to be covered up now for at least a year. Uh, because of this indictment. And I think it was a very clever move by the Justice Department uh, to do that. So I'm just weighing in. I'm just a poor, impoverished news anchor. I'm not a lawyer, but that's my take. I'm not a lawyer either. I have an honorary degree, but that's about it. (laughs) We do have a lawyer. But I have a degree, and I agree with you, Larry. Uh, And Larry, just consider that. The other stuff, John, the jobs numbers were fine today. Uh, not spectacular, but not awful. Uh, the inflation news has been very decent. Interest rates are low. Oil and energy prices are low. It's sort of interesting on the jobs numbers. You know, we, we've had 11 months reported through November of 23. The biggest gainer, <laughs> the biggest gainer is government jobs. The number one gainer in the Biden economy. Is it sounds like jobs. New York. When I was running for mayor in 2014, we had 240,000 jobs. Now we have, I guess, 300,000. Where are those jobs? Well, I don't know. <laughs> They're no shows. They're all no shows. Healthcare is second. Leisure and hospitality is third. You know, stuff like construction and retail trade and manufacturing, way down the list. I mean, it's just interesting. But the number today was fine. 
it's, if anything, it's probably a soft landing uh, kind of number. So, so the big question, who is right, who is wrong? you got half the people saying uh, that interest rates are going to go down tremendously, and the other half saying that, oh, the Fed's going to stay tough. Well, they probably both have something to say for themselves. The Fed's not going to rush to cut their target rate. But the market interest rates have fallen a lot, as you probably know. I mean, the 10 years down, almost 100 basis points uh, from its peak of about six or eight weeks ago. Um, and I think the economy is going to continue to soften. And I think the fourth quarter of this year, you're going to come in around no better than 1% to 2%. So it's a soft economy. But it's not a catastrophic economy. And the other thing I will say is the overall, even though price, prices are high, particularly um, things like grocery prices, but um, the overall inflation rate has come down uh, from, you know, about 9% down to something like 3%. So I don't expect any miracles, but for the moment, we dodged a bullet. You know, it's weird. The, the best poll, I think the number one poll in the country is investors' Business Daily, the so-called tip poll, and 50% of the people in that poll think we are already in a recession. And by the way, when you look at it politically, it's almost even Republicans, Democrats, and independents. 50%. So so nobody really knows what the heck is going on. Well, that's that's a bottom say. line. Fifty fifties, and nobody <laughs> in the heck knows. Uh, Larry, you got the number one show on WABC on Saturdays, and uh, you're going to be on from ten o'clock to one o'clock Saturday morning, and uh, and uh, you are worldwide. We're in a well under your iPhone. You're in 173 countries and 50 states. And the Milky Way. Don't that's it. The Milky Way. We are transmitting there too. Okay. Thank you so much, Larry Kudlow. Bye, everybody. Okay. And calling in, we've got uh, John Solomon calling in in one second, John, because he's got he's the guy John who brought Solomon, the Hunter you, you Biden brought him stuff. in. You're going to bring him in now, right? Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news is John Solomon, the founder of Just the News. Uh, John, you broke this huge scoop about Hunter Biden. Give us the details and also why you think this happened now. Yeah, listen, uh, Hunter Biden has now been charged with nine tax crimes. That's an additional to three tax uh, gun crimes he was charged with a couple of months ago in Delaware. Now in California, he faces charges alleging that he carried out a multi-year tax evasion scheme. He collected millions of dollars from foreign uh, uh, businesses uh, in Ukraine, in Romania, in China, and then he failed to pay taxes on it. In fact, the government says he spent all the money on his extravagant lifestyle and stiffed the American government for the tax dollars that all of us are uh, required to pay each year. Uh, he faces 17 years in prison should he be convicted of these crimes. This is a very serious moment for Hunter Biden, his legal jeopardy has gone up significantly with this indictment. And meanwhile, it also adds to the political jeopardy of his father, Joe Biden. Remember what one of Joe Biden's signature uh, policy initiatives have been as president. He was going to go after millionaire tax cheats, make them pay their fair share. Uh, remember all those 87,000 IRS agents he was hiring? Well, it turns out now Joe Biden's own Justice Department says, your son, sir, Hunter Biden, is one of those tax cheats. That political reverberation won't be lost on voters come John, next November. John, I talked to a couple of U.S. attorneys and I talked to Alan Dershowitz, and yeah. uh, the, there's another twist to the story. 
that yes. he can he could avoid his testimony in front of Congress. Sure. And of course, he could take now he could take the fifth, or That's he right. can. Uh, and, and so it was an intentional thing of uh, of doing this. This this is part of the scheme, so he doesn't have to testify before Congress and <laughs> and and relay all the other information. So he'll take the fifth or not testify at all. And by not indicting him on uh, uh, on those other items, then the the statute of limitations continues to run. Yeah. Well, listen, he was already indicted once, so he could have taken the fifth without this indictment. He already had the gun charges hanging over his head. I've heard a lot of this speculation. Listen, I don't know anybody that says, please indict me on tax charges that will send me to 17 years of prison so I don't have to testify before Congress. It's a very risky strategy. Now, of course, Joe Biden could come along and say, hey, I'm just going to get rid of this. I'm going to pardon my son and get this over with. That could happen. That comes with a very strong political consequence for Joe Biden if he does it. But uh, this is a really difficult moment. Listen, this is not a good look. Having this indictment is a uh, political uh, stain over the Biden presidency. And there were other ways that they could easily have gone to avoid having to testify, including that Hunter Biden already had the Fifth Amendment defense available from his first indictment. So I'm not sure. I've heard this uh, theory uh, from what I know and from talking to some of the prosecutors. This is a very big risk for Hunter Biden to avoid not having to testify. He had other options he could have pulled for that. Uh, it's just not good for the Biden family, too. This is a very difficult moment for no, the Biden we agree uh, family 100%. right now. Uh, thank you for the update, and thank you for uh, uh, the breaking news, and uh, uh, and we'll see how, where this takes us. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Good, Good to be with you guys. Very interesting, and of course, we will see where it goes. Uh, and there was a big, uh, also kind of mixed ruling today on guns, and we're going to bring in Ed Mamet in a second. He's the former NYPD captain uh, for many, many years. He also hosts a great podcast called Cop Talk podcast and um judge on WABC Be- yeah radio. on the great wabc radio and before we uh bring in the captain judge weinberg can you explain it because it was seemed like it was mixed decisions on what does it mean for people with guns in new york okay they were- no, well i'll tell you what it means, it means <laughs> one, one second i have i have a gun permit for 45 years and it means that I'm not allowed to go into a restaurant uh, with my gun on. Now. Now. Right. And it means I, I cannot go to church carrying my gun, even though in a church or in a synagogue, maybe the par- parishioners hope are hoping that you're carrying a gun. Yeah, to protect. So now given... let's go to the judge in Edmond. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was a decision by the United States Court of Appeals. This ultimately will go to the Supreme Court of the United States because it, involves the Second Amendment, the right to, to bear arms. It's a very big case. It's a divided, as Rita correctly points out, it's a divided decision. The two big issues f- facing facing the court was as follows. Can you have a reasonable restriction as to time, place, and manner? Therefore, certain places you can't bring your gun. That's one issue. And second, what kind of character assessment test can you use against somebody to deny that person a gun? Now, when you try to figure out what the court did here in dealing with those two issues, it's very, very complicated because they divided the baby in half here. Said, well, you can't do this, but you can do that. And so, for example, you, you can 
keep them out of Times Square with a gun? No, the Court of Appeals said you can't keep them out of Times Square with a gun. I can't go to Times Square either. Right. So it becomes very complicated. Or, for example, if somebody uh, has had a domestic abuse case, domestic violence against a spouse, can you deny that person his right to, uh, to carry a gun? These are very complicated questions. And just remember this. The Second Amendment is not an absolute right. If you threatened, my opinion, if you threatened your 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 spouse, then you shouldn't be carrying. I agree with you. That's, that's my what, point. No, no, I'm wait, but wait, I agree, no, no, but I agree wait, with you. But, but, this is a lady. stupid wait, ruling. But yes. wait a minute. How do you say the word stupid? Yeah, but wait a minute. How did the rule? How did they rule on it uh, on that issue? Because that to me is a blaring. They, said, they, they said, should said, not have a gun. No. Right. They said that was a character issue, and it was too um, it was too ambiguous. I'm telling you now, this has to go to the Supreme Court to parse this out. That's what makes it so complicated. Oh so, my goodness. Well, okay. let's let's bring in Ed Mamet. Uh, let's get let's get the the guy on the street. Captain yeah. Mamet is a retired police <laughs> officer. That means he he can tell the truth without getting fired. No, that's that's the kind that's we because like he's, because he's retired. That's why. That's well, the kind I, we I, like. If it's, if it's complicated for the judge, and it's very complicated for the police, and and I want to call your attention to just recently the the councilwoman in Brooklyn was arrested. I know what's going. Yeah, uh, Bernikov. Yep. She had she has a, she's a licensed permit holder. She's a licensed gun uh, holder. And she attended a rally near, I believe, it was near a school. And that's one of the restrictions. So she wound up getting arrested. And I believe the case was dismissed. It so was. you can yes. imagine what problems this uh, creates for the police around the country. They don't, they don't know what to do. Well, I think uh, the captain's absolutely right. People do not know what to do. Because well, have- certain policemen, a lot of policemen have said to me, nobody's going to arrest anybody being in a restaurant with a gun if you have the right permit. The problem, the problem with the big, in my opinion, the problem with the Second Amendment issue when they want to have all these restrictions, if God forbid you're in a theater or in a restaurant or a church and somebody, a bad guy starts shooting, don't you want to have a good guy shooting back to take him down? Right. Well, we talk always about even like in Israel. Sadly, we saw in one of the kibbutzes where they had weapons, they were able to fend off some of the terrorists. I mean, there's examples of that. Uh, just as you said, you want a good guy and I want more security don't guards with who guns. Took away, don't forget who took away all the guns from all of their people and then enslaved them. Uh, it was first. It was uh, you had Stalin. Uh, no, Stalin was the first guy. And don't forget Hitler. Hitler. And then you had Hitler in 1933. And then you had Mao Zedong. And then you had Mao Zedong. First, he takes away the guns. Then he enslaves the people. Right, Ed Mamet. You know, let me. What's most interesting now, if any time, with all the uh, anti-Semitic acts that are taking place and synagogues being threatened, now is the time you want people <laughs> like me. I have a, a, a matter of law. I got it when I retired, but. I would think that the people in the synagogues would want people with licensed, uh, you know, guns in there just for protection. Let me let me let me ask you a question: uh, Are you allowed to carry a gun in a restaurant? That's a good question. You know, I never checked that out. I assume well, that. That's well, political. I have a carry permit for forty-five years, and I'm not allowed to. Right, but as retirees, we're entitled to permits. We're entitled to guns as a matter of law. And I don't. I believe where it doesn't affect us. I'm not 100 percent sure. I only have to look into that one. I mean, it's interesting that look how confusing it is that you're not even sure. I mean, it just shows how complex all this stuff no, is. This is the subject of law review articles, and you're going to need a decision, of the Supreme Court, to try to sort this out. It was it was a well-intentioned law by the state legislature and the governor. They thought it was going to be a matter of public safety. But the flip on the public safety is what Captain Mamet said. Which is, it's good to have people right. with guns to protect the All innocent. right, guys, this, we're going to have more discussions on this. we got to move on. Thank you, Captain Mamet. Thank you for 
what you did for the police department for uh, at least 50, 60 years. Thank you. Bravo. 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 And now we go to. And I'm, I'm even going to listen to your podcast. It's, it's a good. By the way, I've listened to it. It's good. good. Let's go to Dr. Mark Siegel. Yep. Dr. Siegel, how are you? We're talking about obviously these threats in different synagogues and elsewhere. We're talking about the gun laws, but boy, things are tense and how sad at this time. I have a couple of things to say right off the bat. First of all, I'm a little slow to go to dinner now with Casamitidis if he's not going to protect me. <laughs> I know. I was thinking the same thing, too. I was, like, going to turn to him for security. You know, I thought so. Okay, so now, number two, I also want to say his points about uh, about the rise of the Nazis. I want, he left out one of the three in the triumvirate, taking away guns. But, you know, the one he didn't mention was indoctrination that some group is subhuman. That some group is subhuman, which is why the the, the president of of University of Pennsylvania refusing to, to to discipline students for calling for the genocide of Jews is disgusting. Because and this is where that common sense Democrat Richard Weinberg and myself probably come together, which is we believe in free speech, we believe in academic freedom, but when you start to to marginalize whole groups of people. Now, granted, Jews have a real, you know, sensitive spot there because of the Holocaust. But that's the most shocking thing that's been happening. And I said to my 100-year-old father the other day, and I can't believe his answer. You know, he was in the Navy during World War II. He's completely with it, guys. And I said to him, what do you think of the anti-Semitism that's ripe in the United States now versus during World War II? He says it's worse now, worse now in the United States. Why did he say that, doctor? Well, he does, he's not saying that anti-Semitism was worse worldwide. He, he was very... He's talking about the United States, but, but why is it right. worse today? In the U.S., they weren't uh, aware of the camps, you know, till after the war. That was part of it. I think it has to do with the fact... I'm, I'm going to make a guess and ask you guys to answer the judge's amazing question. I think it's because during World War II, everybody pulled together. We were Americans. We weren't left. We weren't right. We were Americans pulling to save the world from the Nazis. Now we're at each other's throats, and we're, everybody has an opinion. And social media. Well, has we're going to turn it around, that. Mark Siegel. We're going to turn it around right now. We're going to straighten out these uh, these presidents of these universities that want to that want to change America. Yeah, it's shocking. What we heard this week, the testimony this week, Doctor Siegel was stunning to me, and and it just really peeled the onion out, where for the whole world to see. I, I, I couldn't believe that it's going on. And I want to say something you guys might not agree with, which is I'm a little bit better with New York University. Now, granted, I'm on the faculty there and my kids have gone there. But I'll tell you, because Linda Mills, the president of NYU, is Jewish and her, her mother was a Holocaust survivor and she did a film on it, she's pushing back against the tide. I don't mind, the, I don't mind so much the, the, the dissent and the, and the protests even, but when it gets to be the policy of the university to denigrate a, a particular population, in this case mine, Harvard, Cornell, University of Pennsylvania, that's where the attention belongs, disgraceful. Yeah, you're, the lack of courage from the leadership at the colleges is, I agree with you. Uh, you know, did you see this also, um, Dr. Siegel, that there was a rabbi they just created, you can't make this up, at, at the Harvard, at Harvard University, they had an anti-Semitism board that they just created um, recently, and he resigned uh, because he said, after the testimony you saw this week, this is a quote, painfully inadequate testimony. 
Um, I, I, to me, it was pretty transparent how painfully inadequate they would be. I wasn't surprised what they said this week because that's how they've handled the cases. They should have day one come out with moral clarity and stood up and said, this cannot happen on our campuses. I think about how different it might have been had they done that and had we also heard it from the White House. Completely agree, Rita. And by the way, here's another thing. People are not historically informed. We're in the middle of the, of the holiday of Hanukkah now, which is actually about rededication of the second temple. And guess who, guess who foraged in the city of David below ground? There's a pathway that's recently been restored historically. I was there. Guess who walked those stones to the second temple? Jesus Christ. And on the way was giving, was giving prophet speeches to people that were, were making that forage. So Christians around the world, of course, should also be celebrating the, the holiday of Hanukkah. And, not, and, not, and I'm not saying they aren't, by the way, but I'm saying, and here, here in certain places people are afraid to light menorahs, it's about rededication and courage, and we should all resonate with that. No, we agree with you 100%, uh, Mark Siegel. Uh, what else? Well, give us one. Listen, you're on here for a medical report. Give us one, one medical report. Okay, so for once... China is not hiding a new virus. <laughs> for once, for once. The, the pneumonia coming out of China. If I, it, 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 Dr. Michalos the other day says there's a, a new test for Alzheimer's. Now, if I tested it and I found out I can't remember your name, is there a cure for Alzheimer's or is there something I can slow it down with? Great, great question. It's what I just talked about on TV this morning on America's Newsroom. They, they have a new test that looks at, at brain deterioration, dementia, and you can find it very early. But the only treatment we have so far are the monoclonal antibodies, and they got side effects. They only slow it down slightly. I think we're heading in the direction of it. I think we're going to have treatments that work over the next few years, but we're not there yet. And these drugs got a lot of hype. But they have they have risks in terms of swelling, and they only work a little bit. We're going to get there, but at least knowing early who's at risk and who isn't is a step in the right direction. You know, because because it takes years to develop this. Understood. Well, Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you. By the way, by the way, Michalos is a big fan of stem cells, as you know, and he's a huge fan of anti-inflammatory and natural treatments, as he should be. I love the guy, and I think he's on the right track in many areas. Yeah, he's yes, sharp as he a tack. One of the problems with Alzheimer's, uh, he said to me, is uh, that uh, uh, you've got to keep information down in the body, and you should take that test. What's the information test? Well, by the way, that's, tr- that's true. So you keep inflammation down in the body. You eat, you eat a lot of olive oil like these Greek people that are on our show here. You have a Mediterranean, <laughs> a Mediterranean diet. What about and Danish and Polish this, people? What about the honorary Greeks? What about the honorary Greeks in this room? Hey, Rita, Rita, when you get older, you're very young still, but when you get older, there's new studies out that show that taking estrogen after menopause decreases your risk of Alzheimer's. So right, there you go. I'll look into it in about 40 years. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark Siegel, and we'll Catch up with you again real soon. Happy holidays, Wait, doctor. Bring, hey, I want you to be, bring a gun to dinner, please. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. Let's take a break right now. And when we come back, we're coming back with the greatest senator New York State ever had, Alphonse D'Amato. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, this week, they had the highest amount of people crossing the border in a single day. 
12,000. That's an all-time high crossing our wide open border. And joining us to talk about all of this and so much more is the greatest senator New York has ever had, Senator Alphonse D'Amato. Uh, so great to have you here, Senator. And boy, if this is not a testament to our wide open border and how dangerous things are, I don't know what is. Rita, it's incredible when you see the pictures of the drug smugglers bringing these people in and 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 you know just it's just amazing amazing and by the way i say drug smugglers because uh, many of them are are having people bring drugs in in addition to people who have no one to sponsor them i think i mentioned once before uh what i've been going through to try to help this woman who's an american citizen um, who has a 40-year-old daughter down in South America, and she can't get her in uh, because she doesn't have enough income, all right? And so I agreed to go on to help sponsor her. So if you try to come in legally where you have people who will sponsor you, they create more problems. But here we have, as you say, 12,000 people coming from all parts of the world, including criminals, including people who are a threat to this country. And and we just basically say, okay, we take your name, et cetera. You should report to a judge in six months, eight months, et cetera. We release them, and we don't hear from them. And then they come to New York City. They come to Chicago, Philadelphia, you name every major city. Uh, they, they create a burden that who pays? The taxpayers, the local taxpayers. The local taxpayers are paying because uh, President Biden is not allowing uh, money to go to uh, uh, to the local. uh, Yeah, to the local jurisdictions. He's not sending cities. (laughs) He wanted 14 billion for the borders. But was he going to secure them? No, he was just going to put more judges on the payroll, more babysitters, more babysitters for the migrants, paper, paper pushers. He was putting paper pushers on, not protectors. Protect the border. And I said to a number of my friends and Congressman Anthony D. Esposito, who I've known since he lived right across the street from me, he and his family for 30 years, a wonderful person. I said, Anthony. Don't vote for funding for the government if we have to shut down, shut down, until we shut down and secure the border. Forget passing legislation. I don't care if it's the best legislation in the world. The best legislation in the world is to secure our border. You do that. What a giant! We, we all agree, a hundred percent. We all agree, a hundred percent. You got to secure the borders. It's out of control right now. Yeah, and then you have this Mayorkas guy who, by the way, this week came out and he keeps turning the table saying, oh, it's the GOP's fault. Or or uh, when somebody asked, it was a CNN host asked him this week, Senator, saying, you know, well, you know, the GOP says they want reasonable protections on the border. They want to close it. And he said the GOP is pushing violence against migrants. I, I mean, the, the spin is incredible, Senator. Well, well. The American people don't believe it. But I want to tell you something. I think that the Republicans in Congress uh, aren't doing what they should. And they should get up as a block and say, we don't pass any more spending until we secure the border. 
because otherwise our communities are being savaged, okay? And our taxpayers are being savaged. And that's the only way you're going to get something done. By the way, I have some uh, breaking news a second. Uh, Actor Ryan O'Neill has passed away at the age of 82. From Paper Moon. Yes, and oh. and uh, his brother Michael O'Neill, the famous restaurateur on the east side of Manhattan, passed away a few years ago. He was one of my best friends. Oh wow! And, uh, it's wow. a very sad day that we lost Ryan first Michael O'Neill. and now Ryan. And Ryan O'Neill was a heartthrob. I'll just say, you know, how many women I remember. He was a hunk. Love story. Yeah, love story. Love story with yes, Ally uh, McGraw. Yeah, very, very like uh, iconic actor. Iconic actor. Continue, well, Senator. Yeah, let me say this to you. Um, we've got to get our members of Congress. And you notice what I said. I went after the Republicans. All right? And Democrats, you ought to wake up, too. These are your cities, your citizens. What do you do? You just march to Sleepy Joe's drumbeat? Do you really want open borders, you jackasses? If... if, if if you're opposed to open borders, then put in the type of controls that monitor it. You don't come into this country until you have a sponsor. We allow X numbers to come in a year. We set up rules and regulations. Yeah, vet them. We got to vet people. Absolutely. We have to vet them. We we want legal immigration and people that are vetted. And, and look, that's what America is about, you know, melting pot. But do it right. Well, thank you, Alphonse D'Amato. I look forward to talking to you again real soon. And uh, I'm not going to wish you Merry Christmas because I'm going to talk to you a few times before that. Thank you so yeah. much. Well, by the by the way, it's about time they brought charges against Hunter Biden. He's been skating on thin ice for far too long. Yeah, we a couple of the professors on today, uh, legal professors, think this might be a tactic to delay uh, uh, other indictments. Yeah, other t- the testimony, right, yeah. on Capitol Hill. Uh, well, we're, our time is up. I hear the music. I do, too. And I hear it. <laughs> Senator, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America. We need God's help.